but I guess I stopped him. And I looked at him and I was like, Dad, why don't you go ahead and stick this one? It's a little too big for me. Good morning, everyone. I'm your host, Harley, and this is the Ranch Collective Podcast. And this is where we talk with Western industry professionals to share, educate, and give a platform to those inside the industry and to give those who are outside of it a look at the day-to-day by having real conversations with guests. If you're new here, welcome. And if you've been on this journey with me for a while, welcome back because it's been a while, you guys. It's been since August since I released an episode and life is just kind of been nuts since then. We've had, we had birthday trips. We had, I was sick for like six weeks. Josiah has been having some health issues. He broke his clavicle, had to have surgery. It's been a whole, a whole thing since I last spoke with you. Um, that being said, I didn't want to launch into a brand new big whole regular season and trying to make that work across the holidays. So we are doing mini-sodes and it's called Tales from the Ranch Manager. So it's going to be ranch manager, ranch hands, anyone who has a stake in the ranch but is not an owner who, or who works on the ranch but doesn't have an ownership stake. And we're just going to be sharing some stories, looking at what their day-to-day life looks like, um, sharing some favorite stories and up first is Josiah, who has not been on the show yet, and I'm really excited. We will do a longer episode with him in the spring, but he's just here to share some information about growing up on ranches and uh, share some stories about being a kid on a ranch. And then next week, we're going to talk about some of the really big differences in ranch ownership versus ranch management and kind of what that looks like from the management side which I haven't really had a lot of guests come on and do that so without further ado welcome back you guys and here's the Minnesota. My name is Josiah Polich I'm a third generation uh, farmer slash rancher. Would you like to tell me a little bit more about your, your background in farming and ranching? I mostly grew up on hunting ranches that usually were high fence, some low fence, uh, never uh, crops or anything, but a lot of them had cows on. Great, perfect, thank you. Um, For those of you who maybe are new or I've not talked about it recently, um, Josiah is my partner, life partner, forever bestie. He's shaking his head at me. Okay, so can you, I don't think I've interviewed anyone who... um, has managed or owned or worked on a hunting ranch that they talked to me about. Can you kind of do a daily like walkthrough of what it was like when you were working on the hunting ranches, just about what people kind of have an idea? Well, first off, I'll start with the difference between like a cattle ranch and a hunting ranch or a farm where you crop, you have different crops and you farm the land. Hunting ranch is most of the time, and from my experience where I've worked, is a lot of it's been in Texas. A lot of it's high-fenced and low-fenced. Most high-fenced ranches have your native deer, which are whitetail down here, and hogs and javelina. But most of these ranches have exotics from other countries, such as just about anything you can think of from Africa minus lions, even though some places out here probably have lions. I was going to say, is it legal to hunt lions here? If you, like, bring them in? That one I don't know. Okay. I know you can hunt buffalo, and they bring those in. Like? Cape buffalo. Cape buffalo, mm-hmm. okay. So, yeah. But, I don't know, day-to-day life on a hunting ranch is just a little different, because 
when you're working cows, you're taking care of a more of a domestic animal, and you're working with, depending on what kind of ranch you're on, you're working with not just white tail, but dangerous animals that can hurt you, and not that cattle can't, but cattle are more tame than wild animals brought in from other countries. So, the ranch that you were on in South Texas, when we very, very first got together, was that white tail only? So, it, originally, it wasn't only whitetail. They had uh, quite a few exotics. They had black buck, uh, oddads, axis. They had some, I think they were red stags. But when I went and started working there, all they had were genetic uh, whitetails, and then they had a few axis, and that was about it. What do you mean by genetic whitetails? So, they weren't native whitetails. They were bred in a pan originally and then brought to the ranch with better genetics than the native deer. Oh, okay. Um, speaking of Axis, would you like to share a little bit about a very, very special little Axis? Sure. So, I don't know how long I was working on this ranch already, but I was a ranch hand at the time, and uh, the ranch manager had a whole pack of dogs that were very wild, and they would chase deer down and kill them, and it was not a good thing for a hunting ranch. And I happened to, I was coming back for lunch or something, and I seen his dogs around a trailer. And I was like, well, they got something pinned down over there. Yeah. So I go over there, and I see a little spotted fawn. And I was like, thought it was very odd, because I was like, this is way, way too early for whitetail. So I get the dogs away, I catch this little baby, and I pick her up, and she seems to be fine, and... I go and put her in just a little kennel so I can go look and see if her mom's anywhere near and couldn't find anything. So I was like, well, she's still pretty young. I can see if I can bottle feed her. Ended up bottle feeding her and raising her and she, her spots never went away and she turned out to be an axis and that's why she was not in season for as far as fawns go for white tails. And she was the sweetest little girl. Are axis more like, uh, for lack of a Better comparison. Are they more like cows? They'll breed kind of whenever, however you let them. Whereas like the white tail and I know like mule deer in California, they just, they have their season. Pretty much. The exotics kind of breed when they want to. Okay. When you had her, so you just had her from a bottle until like she was old enough to be, be like a free deer or like how, what would you do with her? Well, unfortunately... When uh, I had her for almost two years, well, no, a year and a half, so she was almost full grown. She was a little stunted because bottle feeding, just about anything's going to stunt them a little. And I tried to find her home before I left, but I was happy, I happened to be moving back to Montana for work, and they, she wouldn't do so good in the cold weather. So I ended up just letting her go on the ranch and hope for the best that nothing happened to her. And there she still lives. Something like that. Something like that. Although, I don't know, that was like almost 10 years ago, so I don't know how long Axis live if they were to live like a full long life. Long Forever. Life. Very good. At least she did. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so I did kind of interrupt a little bit. So your daily, your day-to-day, -day, you were explaining what a hunting ranch was. So um, when you say like a hunting ranch does that mean like it caters to people like people pay to come and hunt there is it just like how does that work so most hunting ranches are usually somewhat commercial so it's not just for friends and family there are ranches like that but all the ones i've worked on have been like a 
commercial ranch where the hunting season doesn't really stop. So like when you have more exotics, there's not a season. So you can shoot exotics whenever you want. But since the ranch I was on this time, the exotics weren't, we didn't have that many. So there it was mostly whitetail hunting. So we still had the season. So like during whitetail season, if you have high fence in most states and for an example, like Texas, your hunting season is like four months long. So that whole four months, as far as a day-to-day life goes, is you usually have hunters. You take them out in the morning. You bring them back. If they get something, you have to track, just depending. But after you take care of them, then you have to go do anything that's in between. So if you got to go check on stands, check on fences, fill feeders, uh, et cetera, just normal ranch things that you might have to take care of. And we had cows on this place, so we had to do take care of them, too, in between. And during the hunting season, you don't get a day off. You're just working, working, working. Um, were the cows kept completely separate from, like, the hunting part of the ranch? Because I can only just, like, imagine. And I know, I know obviously, if you're, like, using your brain, you're not going to, like, mistake a cow for a deer. But, like, does that happen? Oh, definitely. People, I've known uh, people that have land or have cows to go spray paint cow on their cows because people are so <laughs> stupid and they'll shoot a cow thinking it's something else. Well, I don't know. That just reminded me of when we were at your parents and your mom and I were on the side-by-side and you and your dad were off tracking on foot. And your mom and I were in the side-by-side and we were looking for, like, one of the fence lines or whatever. And we turn, we make a turn at the fence and all of a sudden there's just two giant orbs staring at you. And it was the cow's eyes, but because the cows were all black, we just couldn't see it. It was just, like, two reflective orbs and we're like, is it alien? This is our time to be abducted. Yeah, are we being abducted right now? (laughs) But the nice thing about most hunting ranches, you... Depending on what type, there's plenty that don't have fully guided, but the ones I've always worked on are fully guided hunts. So there's a guide with the hunter. So if he shoots the cow, it's just as much your fault as it is the hunter's. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, um, actually, you know, we're going to do another episode in the spring where you can get into what it means to be like a hunting guy. Cause I know that's what you actually did most of your adult life. Um, between, well, when you were doing ranch things, that was what you were doing most of your adult life but okay so you don't you don't get a day off during non-hunting season do you get days off if you can shoot exotics year-round or is it just because the ranch you're on wasn't primarily exotic you did well it in on this ranch during the off season we got days off because we didn't really have anybody coming out to shoot an axis because it wasn't promoted that much the herd was small at this point because they shot so many off and Honestly, in even in a fully exotic ranch in the summertime, people aren't going to want to come out and hunt because it's 130 degrees in the blind and you're going to pass out of heat stroke real quick if you're not used to it. I'm just thinking about being outside like at your parents in August and I would simply die. Yeah, and in the blinds, it's so it's, much hotter. Yeah, well, I remember the first time you took me um, hog hunting when we lived in North Texas. I remember like... We've been in the blinds a couple times, but it, we didn't, like, go in to, like, let them air out, obviously, because it's, like, sunset, so when it would not have cooled down yet. I remember opening it and being like, oh, my God. Well, toasty. Just immediately drenched in sweat. Um, you can make a redneck 
AC, though, for the blend. Tell me more. So you can either get yourself a styrofoam cooler or a full-size, like, proper plastic cooler. And what you do is you fill it up with ice. You go and buy a little 12-volt fan. You get some PVC pipe, and you hook that fan on there. And then you get a little 12-volt battery, hook it on there. So then it blows in. You have two tubes. One tube blowing cold air, or warm air into the ice. And then your other tube blowing cold air out. And it's a redneck... Uh, little uh, swamp cooler that I've seen people use before in hunting blinds. So I'm picturing like the blinds at like Diamond Sea or at where you used to work. And wouldn't the, won't the deer hear you, hear them? I mean, it's this little uh, airflow is moving. It's, they know you're in the blind and a little bit of airflow. They're not worried about it. Okay. It's well, not like a ceiling fan or. It, it barely blows, just enough to keep you from passing out. Okay, very good. Well, and I was going to say probably, I was like, specifically at, am I allowed to name Diamond Sea? I think so. Okay. I was like, specifically at Diamond Sea, your dad was feeding the deer every single day. So they were coming in, they were used to like what he smells like, what his dogs smell like. So that way it wouldn't necessarily be like a big, huge, blaring red flag if they could smell him elsewhere. Yeah. When they inevitably did because your dad was all over the range all the time. But, and I mean, like, with the proper setup, because not, it, in Texas, they hunt a little different as far as you can bait animals, you can bait the deer. In a lot of states, you're not allowed to do that. You set up where you know there's a good trail, where there's an opening, where you can call them in during rut. But in Texas, it's all essentially mostly private land. So you just go, you set up feeders, you set up blinds, and hope for a big boy to come in if it's a low fence. If it's a high fence, you already know where the big boys are hanging out and you just hope they show up. So it's it's a little different hunting down in Texas than most states. I'm so excited to like have you on for a real episode and really get into what that looks like because I think that's something that's so interesting that I certainly would have never thought about until you brought it up to me when we were talking about it one day. Yeah, and it'd be it's a good topic to talk about because a lot of people frown upon it. But I I mean Hunting's hunting, and everyone likes to do it a different way. Yeah. Um, okay, so I know that you grew up on ranches um, because that's what your dad has done. He's a career ranch manager. Um, so can you tell a couple of stories about, like, when you were a kid on ranches? Sure. So uh, we were on a, a hunting ranch. It was a high fence ranch. It was... Uh, about 1,200 acres, but they had it divided into two sections, and they had exotics on one side, and I think just whitetail and hogs on the other. I was pretty young, but it was a nice ranch. My parents were setting it up for the owner to make it a, like essentially a commercial hunting ranch, and uh, I was very young. I don't even know how old I was. Somewhere between three and now, so it was, it's been a <laughs> while, uh, but I remember one of the one of my favorite memories was me and my sister were helping my dad uh, work on our suburban. He was changing brake pads or doing something. I don't remember because I was so young. But we, he always got his hands dirty. He always got into something and didn't worry about what what he looked like as long as he got the job done. And me and my sister weren't being helpful. We were just there watching. But every time he'd go <laughs> away to get something, we would go to where he's working and start rubbing our hands on there to get. Our hands all dirty because we wanted to look like our dad. And finally he caught us 
mean, he didn't catch me at first. He caught my sister because I was hiding my hands and he made her go wash them. And uh, just a memory that stuck with me because he was upset that we weren't doing anything, but we were still getting dirty somehow. I can just picture it. I can picture you guys being little. And Josiah's sister, Sammy, she's two years older. So if Josiah's like four, she's like six. You guys are just like little kids. You're like, I dare you to go get your hands dirty. I'll go if you will. You guys just do that. And then you like sitting on your hands so your dad doesn't see him. <laughs> I think there was another story about a hog you wanted to talk about. So we had, uh, at this ranch, we had, I don't know, we had anywhere from six to 12 hunting dogs. And they were, had some pups that were getting trained and had some good catch dogs, good blood dogs. And if an animal was wounded, we would go use the dogs and track them. But we would also practice with our young dogs to go bay up hogs. or And it was good practice for them. And hogs, you can, if you have good dogs, the hogs, the dogs go and grab a hold of the, the hog. And then you can go up there, grab it by the back legs, and flip it over. And then somebody can take a knife and stick it in the side and finish the hog off. And I don't know if it was one of my family members or an actual hunter, but they wounded a big hog. So we always loved to go tracking with them. We There was rules because we were small. My brother was the oldest. He didn't obviously have as many rules as we did because he could handle himself and he was a little older. So we always had to stay behind my dad. And... If he told us to climb a tree or get out of the way or whatever, stay put, we had to do that. So we're tracking this hog, tracking this hog, and uh, my dad bought me this brand new knife. He had a buck knife, and he bought me, I think it was called a uh, rack or something. It looked almost identical, but about half the size of his buck knife. <laughs> and I really wanted to stick something with it. I really wanted to kill a hog with it. So he's like, all right, you can, you can kill this one when we catch up to it. So I don't know how long we tracked it. I was still real small. And we get up to it, and we got our flashlights, it's nighttime, and we hear the dogs got it bait up. So we're finally catching up to it. My brother's already up there, because my dad was going slower, because I was with him. And uh, this is, a lot of this memory is him telling the story, because he loves his story. But I guess I stopped him, and I looked at him, and I was like, Dad, why don't you go ahead and stick this one? It's a little too big for me. And that's like <laughs> one of his favorite stories to tell about me. I cannot picture you doing that because every moment I've known you you've been just like fearless and going after stuff so I'm trying to picture like little kid you and like both your parents describe you that way your grandparents describe you that way as just being fearless so first time for everything yeah I guess Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to connect with me on social media. It's at Ranch Collective Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next week.